This episode of the Outside Podcast is brought to you by Tracksmith, a proudly independent running brand that makes high-performance products for amateur athletes striving to be their best. You put in the time and the effort and you push yourself as far as you, you possibly can, and then you have a result that you can be proud of at the end of that. This is Matt Taylor, the founder of Tracksmith and a lifelong runner. He created the company to support amateurs like himself along their training journeys. That last part of the journey really is when someone is, I want to squeak out as many seconds as I possibly can. And with that just comes this really, really rich experience for the athlete. You really are thinking about all of the little things that you might want to do to run as fast as you possibly can. Tracksmith helps you do this by crafting exceptional technical apparel designed so you don't ever think about it. The standard for us is always like if you can go for a run and you literally don't notice what you're wearing, that's like that's the sign that that we nailed a product. Take their session shorts, constructed from an Italian nylon knit that's remarkably soft and that stretches and moves with you. You put them on and you head out the door and you're never thinking about their comfort, about something that's rubbing the wrong way, about chafing or anything like that. Then there are the hairier tops, created from a unique blend of odor-resistant and lightweight merino wool that happily puts up with all the miles you can make time for. They dry really quickly. You can just sort of hang them up after your run and, and the next morning they're ready to go again. It's a top that you could literally wear an entire week, every run, and not have to wash it. Learn more about Tracksmith's high-performance products and all their work to support amateur athletes at tracksmith.com. From Outside Magazine, this is the Outside Podcast. Since Outside Magazine's founding more than 40 years ago, We've been known for our stories about adventures in wild places, travel to far-flung locations, and the extraordinary characters that you tend to find in outdoor communities. Oh, and our gear reviews. Lots and lots of gear reviews. But there's something else that we do that you only know about if you've worked here. Romance. No joke, over the years, there have been many, many couples formed in our offices like way more than seems normal, at least according to my decidedly unscientific analysis. Many of these relationships have turned into lifelong partnerships with kids and dogs and shared gear sheds. But others have flamed out, and in quite a few cases, this is because one person is a super talented outdoor athlete, and the other just can't keep up. This almost happened to me. A long, long time ago, I met my now wife at Outside. For one of our first dates, she invited me to go windsurfing. I was new to the sport. She was not. Our afternoon ended with me being rescued by an emergency boat and uh, learning a lot about humility and what it means to get caught downwind. Anyway, deciding to get involved with a serious athlete, it's no joking matter. This week, producer Patty O'Connell takes us deep inside his relationship and a few others to show us the just right way to love someone who's always leaving you in the dust. So what part of the race do you want to talk about? First 10 miles are like, are like Aspen 3,200 feet. Just beep, 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 beep. But it's like someone was like, you're going to get up a little ways and we're going to make you go across. But more technical from my understanding. That's my gal Carly and our two friends, Allie and Maddie. 
This past July, we all drove from Colorado to Salt Lake City to run the Speed Goat, a pretty brutal trail race up and down and all over Snowbird Ski Resort, 18 miles with nearly 6,000 vertical gain. But they didn't run that. That's what I ran. They ran the 50K, twice the miles and twice the vertical. Woof. There's one scree field we ascend and then we descend at the end. So you're like kind of jogging, kind of walking. And then we do a nice steep down, down for, like for five miles. miles. But then the second phase of that downhill is like running on baby heads, like big ankle breaker rocks. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like I want to know about the course. And then when you're like, yeah, the first like three miles is like 400 billion vert and people with wiffle bats line the course and no, they hit you, you in the know. face. If you can't tell, I'm pretty nervous. For Carly, Maddie, and Allie, this is them having the most fun. But not me. I'm not a runner. Not really. At 6'5 and 230 pounds, I consider myself a long jogger for the purpose of eating more pizza. But I date a runner. A super motivated kick-butt athlete type of runner. This race isn't even that big of a deal for her. It's just a small part of Carly's training for a 100-mile ultramarathon later this year. For me, dating an athlete who sets lofty goals like that is so, so awesome. But it's also hard because I'm finding myself doing ridiculous outdoor adventures and getting my ass kicked during them. Like signing up for the Speed Goat, my first race ever in my entire life. And this happened. The first pass of wildflowers, I got stung on the lip by a fucking bee. I got a fat lip. I had to take a Zyrtec. Thank God I had a first aid kit. And that creaking right in there, that's either my body or my pack of goo. Yeah, I'm eating goo. That's cool. And this. Starting to think that maybe should have trained a little bit for this. And unfortunately, this too. That last thousand feet was fucking brutal. Legs and hips and quads, but screaming at me. Maybe you're wondering why I would do something like this. Well, me too. The short answer is I am an idiot, but the long answer is more complicated than that. Recently, I've been talking with the significant others of uber-talented athletes to figure out what happens when you're around their incredible, sometimes obsessive drive and what it takes to be their partner. And I found out I need to do a lot more than just this. I love my girlfriend. I love my girlfriend. I love my girlfriend. This is fun. Running is fun. Running races is fun. Are we allowed to swear on this thing? Yeah, fuck yeah. Okay. This is Carly and I having a deep, emotional conversation in our home at our kitchen table, next to our loud-ass fridge, which you'll hear rumbling in the background, because when you live in a mountain town like us, your kitchen is also your dining room, and your living room, and your office, and your yoga studio, and you get the picture. Okay, back to Carly. When I was on the trailer, the roads, and things got really fucking hard, you like really come to terms with how, how you are in the face of adversity and who you are and how you show up to things. 
it's just between you, your training that's gotten you to that point and getting up that hill. And it's, there's, there's such a vulnerability in that position. You know, I've always been a person that loves a challenge. And I think running poses that challenge and it helps expand my awareness of myself and what I'm truly capable of. And for me, like that, that strength and that courage really comes out. For Carly, pushing herself physically is who she is and a part of her daily life. Sometimes that's a yoga class. Sometimes that's waking up at 5 a.m. to cross-country ski for two hours before work. Sometimes that's running 50 to 70 miles per week for an entire summer. That's not a chore for her. That's just how she smiles the biggest. That's normal when you grow up at the mouth of Little Cottonwood Canyon in Salt Lake City and the Wasatch Mountains are your childhood playground. And Carly gets that go-go-go, do-do-do mentality from her family, the Kleins. What is a Kleintivity? Well, somebody coined the term uh, Kleintivity when they went on a, <laughs> when they went on a trip with our family. That's Carly's mom, Patty. Yes, my gal's mom's name is Patty and mine is Paddy. Don't worry, it's not confusing at all and has never led to any jokes whatsoever. We go to this cabin every summer, and basically it's just a series of activities all day long where, you know, you get up in the morning and we all might hop on these crappy bikes that we keep at the cabin that are like 40 years old. We all ride around the lake, and that's the first activity. And then the next activity could be uh, fishing or boating or water skiing or I don't know somebody's running and then when we're all done with that then you know then it's something else we don't go to the cabin and lay around and day drink or anything like that we're doing stuff we got stuff to do but so clientivity though is different than getting clined Oh, yeah. Getting climbed is like you come along with us and you're like, oh, I'm going to go do something, you know, reasonable with this family of, you know, seemingly normal people. And then you realize, when, like you did when you yeah. went down to the Grand Canyon, you're yeah. like. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I signed up for a 12 mile run. And I was like, at mile 17, I was like, I think I got like, you know, uh, a sandbag pretty freaking hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, um, yeah, I get that. I'm sorry. That no, that that's that's quite. <laughs> You're not the first person. Like everyone in the Klein clan, Patty is a kick butt athlete. She was a speed skater as a kid. Used to rock climb world class routes. She ski patrolled, and she's the fastest hiker I've ever seen in my life. But even with all that, her husband, Carly's dad, Dave has a long history of climbing Patty. I went to an outdoor college. I have a degree in outdoor recreation. I understand outdoor recreation. <laughs> I've done some extreme stuff, but you won't do anything extreme until you hang out with Dave. You think extreme's extreme, and then you go hang out with him, and he's like, it's just up here, and you don't need water. And like five hours later, you're like dehydrated and dying, and you're like just so steaming at him. So here's the thing. like We used to camp a lot with the kids, and Dave would be like, hey, will you just drop me off at this trailhead and then come back like three hours or four hours later or pick me up at this trailhead and I'd be out in the national forest somewhere in Wyoming or Utah and I'd have these three kids and then we'd have to go wait at a trailhead and you just sit there and hope that some human comes down that trail named Dave. You get to the point where you think that you start to think it's normal. Extreme athletes, they just have a different mindset. Their brain works differently, you know, and 
um, they in, in order for them to feel like they're getting exercise, they have to go for long periods of time. Yeah. And that's where it's really tricky because most people, you know, that try to stay in shape, they don't do that. I've always stayed in shape and exercise, but like I go do my thing. I go to yoga, I go swim or I go run or, you know, I go ski, but it's not like this extreme, like I'm gone for like how, you know, yeah. like I'll go for a run and I'll be back in an hour. Dave goes for a run. It's like five hours later, you know. Patty says Carly's extreme athleticism and drive is exactly the same as Dave's. So to deal with that, what worked for Patty would probably work for me too, right? Well, maybe. Maybe not. How did you make sure to stay supportive and not like harbor resentment or anger toward the amount of time that a, like that type of goal-driven commitment takes? Um, well... I did harbor a lot of resentment. <laughs> so I don't think I can answer that question because no, I was no, I was always annoyed. It wasn't a, it wasn't fun. I wouldn't recommend it for anyone. Any woman out there that's considering marrying somebody that's an extreme athlete, just give me a call uh, before you tie the knot and I'll help you uh, think this through because it's not easy. You know, you finally have to get to a point where you're just like, okay, well, here, you're going to go do that. You still have these things. So Dave would go run like five or six hours, and then he knew he still had to mow the lawn. So he literally would pull up in the driveway, open the garage, and start mowing the lawn. <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, good. That's right. You mow that lawn. <laughs> so, like, would that, like, you know, like uh, uh, get him back in your good graces? If you A tiny bit. <laughs> A tiny bit. It was better. It was better than nothing. But no, it was very hard. What did you do to help yourself and your relationship get past that or, or, or deal with that? There's a whole collection of women whose husbands all would get together and do these things. And we used to just get together and we would just pitch. <laughs> <laughs> and we called ourselves the Wasatch Widows. And we'd always we'd just tell all these stories. Oh, yeah, well, you should see what my husband made me do. I had to take chips and salsa and margarita out all the way out to Heber, Utah, when we ended up on that trail. And we'd be like, oh, my God. So that helped, you know, that was just some levity. But one time uh, early on, I was like, okay, you, you get to do all this stuff. I'm going to get a diamond ring. And he's like, okay. So I got a diamond ring, and that made me happy. Honestly, it's very material, but it was just like something I wanted. And, you know, and he, that was the agreement, so I got that. So I felt good for a while <laughs> until the next time. What advice do you have for me as the guy who, like, wants to marry your daughter, uh, you know, for, like, dealing with this for, you know, decades to come? Well, you know, I think you're already ahead of the game. You have to speak up, you know, establish that. It's like, I'll, this, this is what I can do. And, and then when you feel like it's getting overwhelmed or she's going to climb you, you just, like, you have to speak up. And, I, you know, the hard part is when you speak up with people, you know, like, Carly and Dave, they their their stamina is so great that it is really hard for them to sort of come down to your level. But I think just being strong and just stating your needs will help you a lot. You can always call me for moral support. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can jump ship now, Patty, before it's too late. <laughs> I'm totally on board with speaking up when I think I'm about to get climbed. I mean, my feet are still recovering from that Grand Canyon sandbagging. Like, 
Think huge blisters and lost toenails. It is gross. But how exactly do you say, yes, darling, big outdoor physical feats are great and wonderful, and you should do everything you can to achieve your goals, and I'm going to help you because I love you so much, but I won't do things that will destroy me. But let's go do fun things outside together that aren't too crazy, but will still push my comfort level, but won't make me want to barf and cry, and hopefully we can also smooch. Oh, my God. Is that even possible? Well, the answer to all that, after the break. When passionate runner Matt Taylor founded Tracksmith, he always knew he wanted to do more than just create high-performance products for runners. He wanted to support them along their entire training journey, which is exactly what happened when he opened the Track House, a retail store and community hub in Boston that quickly became a hangout for Boston Marathon runners. A lot of our community locally would come in prior to the marathon and they would ask about training, they would ask about what to wear, they would ask about the course. Soon, Tracksmith was bringing in expert speakers and leading runs on the course. Today, that same spirit is behind 100 Days, a series of newsletters from Tracksmith that prepares runners for all six major marathons happening this fall. We found an author for each one that had some interesting and local expertise on that particular course. This year, Tracksmith is expanding its special collections of training and racing apparel for the Boston, New York, Chicago, London, Berlin, and Tokyo marathons, and also creating pop-ups at Chicago, Boston, and New York to give amateur competitors a gathering space. The best moments for me are after the marathons, and we all sit around, you know, into the evening talking about the highs and the lows, and that's just a really special moment. There's this amazing camaraderie and community that comes with that shared suffering that we all go through. Learn more about Tracksmith's high-performance products and find the inspiration you need to run your best at tracksmith.com. My friend, journalist Hillary Oliver, knows a thing or two about communicating proficiently and clearly and staying supportive with a goal-driven athlete partner, even when things get super weird. I turned the corner to the bathroom and somehow he had not closed it because, you know, he wasn't doing anything that private except for applying body glide. <laughs> but I definitely remember like the like, like having his hand on his shorts and the look in his eye as he turned, like I caught him, like it was like a deer in a headlights look like, oh, uh, this is slightly embarrassing, rubbing it over his nipples, you know, and like without his shirt on and like just stuff that like for, for us was just a little bit, a little bit for ultra marathoners. That's totally a normal thing. But at the time we're like closed bathroom door type people in our relationship. It was a little bit shocking. And I like... Wait, what are you doing in there? The nipple and bathing suit area lubing human Hillary is referring to as her husband. Writer, illustrator, and doer of absurd, often funny things outside. My pal, Brendan Leonard. You might have read his stories about running a marathon every week for an entire year or what he thinks his dog is thinking when they go for a walk. Brennan's athletic life and much of his creative career is focused on making big adventures seem funny and approachable. Hillary says he accomplishes this by being a dreamer and a doer, which can be simultaneously admirable and intimidating. Like once you turn on the spigot, he's like all the way going. He tends to be all or nothing. Like he is like 18 years sober, I think this year. And I think that the the year that he quit drinking was 
part of that. Like he kind of realized that for himself, he had to, if he said he was going to do something, he had to do it. And like, it just, um, the notion of accountability and follow through became one of his very core values. And so I think in comparison to Brendan, I tend to be a little bit more emotionally motivated. Like I'm a runner and have for most of my life not run with a watch and haven't run in a lot of events. But like when I think of running, I just think of kind of the like the freedom and just being in the moment and being out on a trail, like as opposed to Brendan and his mindset, I tend to look at the day as like, oh, I would really like to run. When am I going to run? I don't know how many miles I'm going to run. I'm going to go run because it feels good, you know? Um, So this kind of like more emotional way of thinking about it and kind of nebulous organic yeah, I guess the word organic comes to mind as an example. And whereas I think Brendan is much more structured in the way he thinks about things. Being close to someone who is so structured and so regimented to get to a goal is really inspiring. But it's easy to go from getting inspired to getting in way over your head. So with Brendan's running or like just generally his like driven, semi-obsessive character towards physical challenges, has that impacted or changed your relationship in any way? I would say I have had to learn how to have boundaries for myself. Like it's amazing when he has goals and is driven and like I'm so proud of the accomplishments. It's pushed me to do things that I would never have necessarily thought of or put the time in to train for like for the longest time I never never really intended to do a marathon myself and the same with I'm not sure if I ever would have ended up signing up for any ultra marathons and the idea of like a 50 mile run or a 100 mile run was just kind of crazy and not like ah not the kind of thing that I ever felt like I really needed to do. It was like, oh, that's cool that people do that, but not something that real people did or something, you know. And like I found out that actually I really like the 50k distance and I did a 50 miler, which I don't know if I would ever have thought to enter if it if it hadn't been for Brendan's encouragement and support. But the other side of that coin is that I feel like I also have to learn to stand up for my own boundaries for what I actually do want or not want you know my personality can tend to be kind of like oh go with the flow like if that's what you want to do oh sure that's fine you know and so therefore I can um, find myself going along with other people's ideas instead of mine and it has been a learning process for me to be like okay that's okay that's your dream it's okay that that's not my dream (laughs) and you have fun with that and I'll do whatever I can to support you in that but I'm going to be over here doing that and I don't need to do the same thing. Do you guys ever struggle or how do you like manage the balancing act of like training versus couple time or time together outside? Hmm. Uh, let me think about that. How does that work with you, Patty? Because you two are, you have, you two have separate, separate career lives and stuff like what does your weekend look like? I, I was wondering if this was going to happen, if you were going to turn the tables on the interview. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't you, think I... <laughs> you are good at your job. You're good at your job. <laughs> There's not an easy answer here. Hillary and Brendan both work from home together, so much of their time in the mountains is their alone time. But they also go on family walks with their adorable pup, Rolf. 
big adventures together happen, but not all the time or as much as they used to. It's kind of a ever-changing balancing act. But planning quality time with your partner while that partner is training and tracking down big goals is not always easy. I did triathlon for a few years. Uh, back in 2018, I did uh, my first full Ironman. Um, so I've got a half, half Ironman coming up here in September. This is Justin Charbonneau. He does all that training while holding down two full-time jobs, one with outdoor gear brand Otterbox and another with his handmade cookie business, Sugar Tats Cookies. It does take dedication and commitment, uh, especially with, with longer triathlons. Currently, I'm not doing as good as I'd like to be with getting my workouts, but I am pretty consistent five to six days a week of training, so it is taking time. Justin is no slouch, but he is not the alpha athlete in his marriage. His wife is Brittany Charbonneau. Maybe you've heard of her. She's a North Face athlete, has the fastest known time on Mount Beardstadt in Colorado's Front Range and the four-pass loop above Aspen. She beat the Silverton Alpine Marathon course record by 40 minutes. And now she's set her sights on a little thing called the Olympics. Suffice to say, she spends a lot of time running. Do you guys ever struggle, though, with training time versus couple time? Oh yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> I think that is a, that's a it's a big struggle, and it's something that we thankfully talk about. Is our training does come first, and by our I mean hers. <laughs> so, uh, but her, <laughs> my training's like, eh, I'll get it in. Um, but yeah, her training is is first because at one point it is her job. You know, she would never question me if I said, "Oh, I've got a meeting right now. I can't have lunch together." So why would I question her if she says I need to get my run in and right now is optimal time? You know, one thing we've really started to do is planning little things on our calendar. We share our calendar so I know when all of her, her coaching and stuff is. She knows if any events that I have coming up are. Um, but we can see each other's schedules. So, you know, just a, a couple weeks ago, I bought us tickets to the circus, this traveling circus that was really fun. So uh, it was actually, she ran Pikes Peak. I picked her up at the top. And we drove straight to the circus. So she showed up the circus smellier than any performer. And it was fantastic. Do you ever, though, like sit back and think like, man, my wife is totally amazing. I love her so much. And I totally suck. Yeah. <laughs> I am a, uh, I guess, Brittany tried to coach me once and I like, I missed my first 10 workouts, I think. So I'm not a great, like, <laughs> consistent. Like, I don't know if it was because she was coaching me or what, um, but as an athlete, when it comes to me and working out, it's not as important for me. Yeah, I mean, I think she just doesn't want to push me because then I end up, well, probably, well, I would compare myself to her, which would not be a good situation for us as a as a relationship standpoint, right? If If we're going out, she'd be like, come on, like, just a couple more miles or whatever it is. If I get tired, she's great at motivating me. But she'll never at the beginning be like, okay, today you're going to do this and I want you to pick it up. And like, I think that's the best way to have it because then I don't get in my head about it. I can just go out, go run, have fun. If she wants to go smash it, she can. And usually I'll be running and I'll run for a while. And then when she gets to the end of her run, she turns around and comes back. And that's a good time for me to turn around. And so we've got this great if she doesn't feel like she has to stay with me if I'm going slower, which is always. <laughs> like, is there ever like a comparison thing there? There was a point where I didn't feel like I was doing anything. I wasn't adding any value to the world or to friends or to family or to anything. I was just like, work, 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 TV or whatever. And Britt was doing so much and winning all these races. And there's this element of like, man, I can't even keep up to this woman. And so there's parts where I'm just like, why the hell did she choose me? <laughs> you know, 
And Brittany is so amazing with her philosophy of training. She's making such a big difference in more than I think she realizes. It's not just about the running. It's about looking at any hard thing in life or tough challenge and just overcoming it with a smile. With her incredibleness of that realm of what she's been able to create with running, I have been able to create something in a completely different realm with cookies that has helped me, in my opinion, level up to where she is so that now we are a power couple just doing amazing things to help other people. I think that's both of our bottom line philosophies. Like, what can we do that makes other people's lives happier, bring joy to everyone, and just have fun? Man, dude, you just, you love the shit out of your wife. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> Thanks, man. Do you have a top three pointers for people dating or people who are married to an obsessive, uber-talented, insanely driven and focused athlete? I think the first is trust in their crazy goals. They will set their goals that they know are in reach for them, but out of reach for many. And if you believe and trust in them, it's going to help you support them and be less resentful when you're working towards that goal. Pointer number two, make sure you have communication with what their goals are doing for big picture. Because something Britt has mentioned most a lot of times is she sometimes feels like she's very selfish in her goals. She feels like it's all about her. But we can communicate about how it's helping other people. It's helping us together reach towards these higher goals. And I think having that communication has really helped us to get through. And the third pointer is always, always, no matter what, have snacks on you. <laughs> Just snacks, like any kind of snacks. Uh, because hanger, hanger is a real thing. And it hits without you even noticing. Like it'll it'll sneak up on you. And once it's there, oh. brother, look <laughs> out. There's no look going back. out. <laughs> I have long passed the point of no return with Carly. I love this woman. I love this woman so much. Like so much, it's a gross amount. And I love spending time with the woman I love in the places we love, which means I'm going to end up doing some insane things in the mountains and also having meaningful discussions with her next to our like, loud-ass you refrigerator. Can't keep doing this to me, but somehow you've tricked me. Well... This is really your mistake, you know. You should have asked early on if not only were we a marathon running family. But an ultra marathon <laughs> running family. Yeah. Being Carly's fella means that I'm going to be sore as hell for the rest of my life. And I'll probably lose some more toenails and maybe even cry a little during adventures. I know that she is always going to be more athletic and more driven than me. I know that I'll need to define my boundaries when I think she's going to climb me and grind me into a pulp. And I'm going to need to shed any silly resentment around her goals, schedule dates around training, and communicate wants and needs better while also staying open and adjustable to hers. But because of all this and because of her, I'm going to grow in ways that I think I've shut myself off from. People don't run find themselves. They already know who they are. Pretty psyched that I'm doing something like my brain, you know, first goes like, no, don't do that. And I'm like, fuck you. Don't tell me what to do. I'm doing it. You run to discover those truths you already know about yourself. I can see the finish. Oh, hell yeah. Fuck yeah, Patty. Nice fucking work, dude. Woo! Yeah. All right. Well done, man. Thanks, man. 
Right on. Thanks, brother. Right, great job. There's some recovery drink and some popsicles over there. Awesome. Right? Thanks, man. Right on. Appreciate it. Hey. hey! Holy shit! Hi. Oh, hardest thing you've ever done in your life? Uh, I feel. <laughs> you seem like you're doing well. I feel pretty good. Like that is like bonkers. Oh shit! I'm really glad it's over. Okay, so in terms of the training that you're doing for the hundred mile race, is there anything I can do to help you? Just bring the laughter, the smiles, and. A good playlist. I can do that. Will my mustache help in any way? The only things I can think are kind of dirty. <laughs> oh, that was... Perfect. You can't add that. I'm definitely going to add that. <laughs> okay, now I'll really turn it off. And I have to replace these batteries. I love you. I love you. This episode was produced by Patty O'Connell better known as Patio, and edited by me, Michael Roberts. Music by Robbie Carver. This episode of the Outside Podcast was brought to you by Tracksmith, a proudly independent running brand that makes high-performance products for amateur athletes and the people that love them. Learn more at tracksmith.com. The Outside Podcast is made possible by the support of our Outside Plus members. Learn more and join at outsideonline.com slash outside, P-L-U-S. Outside podcast listeners get 25% off an Outside Plus membership with the coupon code OUTSIDEPOD. That's OUTSIDEPOD, all lowercase.